0: Feeling like I'm kind of performing a service now. There was so much other fun stuff happening this weekend. You know, playoff basketball, tax preparation, spring football practice, and as I understand it from Twitter, a dragon ate a very prominent tiger, uh, something like that. So I don't blame anyone for skipping some very bad baseball. You can find out what happened here, and we'll take a deeper look at some of the numbers on today's Locked On Tigers podcast. It is Monday, April fifteenth, and I am your host, Chris Brown, and I'm reminding you, as usual. To please download, rate, and review the show on any of your favorite podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and of course the new podcasting app Himalaya. And when you get into your car, tell your smart device to play podcast "Locked On Tigers." And of course, since the Pistons are in the playoffs, I recommend heading over and downloading "Locked On Pistons" uh, for analysis on what should be a very short series against the Bucks. But yeah, just a, a little bit of quick news, Tigers news before we start. Matt Moore agreed to have surgery on his torn meniscus in his knee, so we won't know the exact timetable until they go in there and open him up, but it may be as short as four or six weeks i guess more like eight weeks, but well, what do I know? I'm not a doctor. In any event, the Tigers lose twice to the Twins over the weekend to follow 8-7 and seven and in a tie for second place with Cleveland, who went to KC and got swept. Uh, so how'd it go down? Well, the winds of winter came on Friday with plenty of snow, so the game was rescheduled for May 11th. Tigers were basically a team of cripples, bastards, and broken things for the entire weekend. Castellanos was still out with his bad toe. Nico Grimm was out with a flu, which is never good in a clubhouse. Gordon Beckham was the only man on the bench on Saturday and Gardner actually came out and said Buck Farmer was his emergency position player if something catastrophic happened. And sure enough, Jordy Mercer strains his quad in the middle of the game, so Gordon Beckham has to replace him at shortstop, and they have no one on the bench. There were no more injuries, though, so at, uh, after the game they put Mercer on the injured list and brought up uh, Ronnie Rodriguez. Uh, the story on Saturday's game was walks, walks of punishment. The Tigers out-hit the Twins 10-5, to but Detroit drew just one walk, uh, it was a great at-bat in the ninth by Gordon Beckham. But Minnesota drew seven walks, and they did just enough with them to win. Uh, so Tyson Ross takes the mound for the Tigers, and he gets through the first two innings with relative ease, needs just 23 pitches. He threw just six balls in the first two innings, but then he loses it in the third. We saw this a couple times in spring training. He just he couldn't throw strikes anymore. So right after the Tigers score twice, he comes out and walks Jonathan Scope on five pitches, which is hard to do. Then he walks Jason Castro on seven pitches. Then Byron Buxton comes in with an RBI single. It was, it was a bad luck hit. It was a very weakly hit but it was just right between shortstop and third base. Similarly, hit balls have a 100-batting average. So. But then Max Kepler follows with a very hard hit ball, to load the bases. And Jorge Polanco, sack fly ties it at two, and then another walk, this time to Nelson Cruz. And Eddie Rosario laces a two-run single to make it 4-2, and it's looking like the end for Tyson Ross, it's this brutal inning. But he gets C.J. Krohn to fly out, and then Jacoby Jones easily throws out Eddie Rosario, who was foolishly trying to tag up from first to second. It didn't make any sense. And that basically saved Ross. But Ross was unbowed, unbent, and unbroken by that inning, and he comes back with a one 2 3 fourth on just eight pitches, and he needs only ten pitches in the fifth, though that was aided a little bit by... Grayson Griner throwing out Jorge Polanco trying to steal. Ross walks Cruz in the sixth and gives up a hard signal to Rosario, but then he holds the door by getting a pop-out, a line-out, and a ground-out. Certainly not Ross's best performance, but I think Tigers fans probably shouldn't expect much more than what he did there. I mean, this is kind of what I expect coming into the year. Six innings, five hits, 4 and in-runs, four walks, three strikeouts, maybe a few less walks, Uh, and he didn't have very good stuff but yes, only six swings and misses and an equal amount of fastball sliders and cutters. Six ground outs, two air outs, nine balls hit 95 miles an hour or harder, so that's kind of a lot of hard contact. The bullpen got really scary there for a little bit. Drew Verhagen came in for the seventh, got ahead of the first batter 0-2. He, he hit 97 on the gun, uh, and then he walked the next two batters after that. So he comes out. They bring in Daniel Stumpf, who promptly walks the batter, so the bases loaded, nobody out. But then Stumpf comes back and strikes out Polanco on a 3-2 pitch, and then they bring in Victor Alcantara, who comes in and strikes out Nelson Cruz, and he gets down 3-0 to Rosario, but gets a lineout out to end the threat. So it was a, that was a fraught inning, and somehow the Tigers got out of it with no runs. And then Buck Farmer looked good in the eighth. But that was it. They gave up four runs, and that's all the Twins needed, and this is why. So on offense, they appear to be swinging the pointy end of the bat rather than the fat end. And before we even get into it, the Tigers, they go an incredible 2-for-15 with runners in scoring position on Saturday, and then 3-for-12 on Sunday, which for them is just a, a massive breakout. They are now 22-for-126 with runners in scoring position on the season, which is a 174 average. Uh, which you can look at it two ways. If you're an optimist, you can say, hey, they've got the 12th most chances with runners in scoring position, and then it'll even out eventually, which is, you know, possible. Uh, if you're a pessimist, you can say that they've been the worst hitting team with runners in scoring position because that's true. But anyway, the Tigers come out, there facing Michael Pineda, who's a decidedly large man, although he looks a little soft. He's a little bit more Hodor than Hound, if you know what I mean. And man, was he not impressive. His fastball set at like 92, he only managed 10 swings and misses, and he gave up a boatload of hard contact. Nine balls hit harder than 95 miles an hour. Uh, Same as Tyson Ross. But Panetta, he just threw a ton of meatballs right down the middle and the Tigers couldn't make him pay. It, it kind of remind Last time I saw them miss that many balls right down the middle was the 2012 World Series, which is probably a, a negative memory for a lot of people. So I apologize, but anyway, the first six batters go down in order until Grayson Grinder leaves off the third with a very hard single back up to middle, and Mercer follows it up with a very soft single up to middle, and then Jacoby Jones hits a hard grounder that looks like it would have been a double play, but it actually nails the second base umpire in the leg, and it bounces into left field. And in a case like that, where the ball hits the umpire before it gets a chance to get to the fielders. The play is considered dead, and everyone moves up one base. So so Jacoby Jones gets a single. If it had hit the umpire behind the defenders, it's a live ball, and runners can go wherever they want. Well, you know, they can run around the bases. They can't go wherever they want. But anyway, the bases loaded, nobody out. And then Josh Harrison gets the job done with the sack fly. Jamer Candelario follows with a weak bloop single to tie it at 2 and on that play, Jordy Mercer made a fantastic read and kind of dangerous because Bu- Brian Buxton's one of the best defensive center fielders, and, and the ball fell in and Mercer scored. But then uh, Cabrera hit a weak liner, and Kristen Stewart st- struck out to end the threat. The fourth inning started out well. This is when they started to make some hard contact. John Hicks hit a hard double, but Peterson struck out, and Griner hit a 104-mile-an-hour line drive that is caught. And in turn into do a double play. Basically, Hicks had no chance. Another good start in the fifth. Mercer doubles, and this is when he came up lame with his quad injury, so they replaced him with Beckham. So he's on second base, but Jacoby Jones and Josh Harrison and Jamer Candelario failed to get him to third, let alone home. Uh, though, in fairness to Harrison and Jones, they hit the ball 100 miles an hour. They just put it in the wrong spot. The sixth inning starts with an ugly Cabrera strikeout on a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, and uh, that's been happening a lot. But then Kristen Stewart hits one beyond the wall to make it a 4-3 game, a hard home run that went 410 feet. Uh, hicks falls with a crushed double hardest hit ball of the game for the tigers 112 miles an hour but peterson and griner can't get him in again so then we go into the seventh jacoby jones gets to third on a single a steal and a throwing error but harrison grounds out and Jim canary whiffs so the numbers with the men on third you're you're right if you're thinking that they're bad they are the worst team in baseball so far this season when it comes to getting a runner in from third with fewer than two outs they're successful just 29.2 percent of the time which is hard to believe and then in the ninth that Beckham walk I told you about, he moves to second and wild pitch, but then Jones and Harrison strike out, and the Tigers lose 4-3. to three. If you want some ugly numbers, Josh Harrison is 1 for 15 with runners in scoring position with a sacrifice. Grayson Griner is 0 for 8, and Jamer Candelario is 2 for 17. So on Sunday, the offense wakes up a tiny bit. starts with two signals uh, from Jamer and Miggy, but then guess what? 0 for 3 with runners in scoring position. Uh, second inning, a one-out double from Ronnie Rodriguez in his first to bat up here in the season. That's a welcome sign. And then a bomb from Gordon Beckham. His second of the year, about 410 feet to left center. He now has three extra base hits, which is two more than Harrison Griner and Miguel Cabrera. In the third, Kristen Stewart crushes the ball to center field, but Brian Bruxton makes an amazing leaping catch, ramming into the wall. It's worth seeing if you want to go look it up. And then that's part of basically 12 or 13 consecutive batters that go down in order. Uh, the Tigers, it, Tigers went down on five pitches in the fourth inning. Yeah, Brios had a string of 12 consecutive hitters retired until he hit Stewart in the sixth, but he follows that with three more outs in a walk and then a pop-out, and his day is done. A really excellent outing from Barrios. Six and two-thirds innings, four hits, two earned runs, one walk, seven strikeouts, 98 pitches, 14 swings and misses, only five balls hit harder than 95 miles an hour. That's a lot of weak contact. Their bullpen desperately wanted to give the game away to the Tigers, but the Tigers desperately refused. It was like an elaborate baseball version of Japanese gift-giving. The Twins were up 6-2 to begin the eighth, but Jamer singles, Miggy walks, and then Stewart doubles to make it 6-3, but Hicks strikes out swinging. And then there's an RBI infield hit from Grayson Griner to make it 6-4, so the tying runs are on base. Dustin Peterson gets hit by a pitch, so the the bases are loaded with one out, but Ronnie Rodriguez pops out and Beckham uh, strikes out. And then they tried it again in the ninth. Jacoby led off with a single, Jamer walked, uh, Cabrera struck out on another 91-mile-an-hour fastball but Stewart walks to load the bases again in the tying run in second with one out, and no. Hicks and Griner strike out, and that's a 6-4 loss. The Tigers strike out 13 times, John Hicks gets the dreaded Olympic rings, 0-5 with five strikeouts. That's just the third time in Tiger's franchise history a hitter's done that. On the positive side, Jamer Ken has multiple hits for the first time in a long time. So on to the pitching really quickly. It was not very good. We don't need to talk much about it. Jordan Zimmerman, scouting report might be out of him already. Twins were attacking early and pounding his slider. He'd start with a slider at the bottom of the zone, and they'd just crush it. Game starts with a double that goes right through John Hicks' legs at first, but I, I don't really blame him. It was 112 miles an hour. And then there's uh, two more singles in an RBI groundout, and it's 2-0 already. And the second... Second, he gives up doubles to Garver and Buxton right after the Tigers tied it up. So then it's 3-2. And then the third inning, he gives up a double and a two-run homer to CJ Crone, and a single and a walk, but got a very fortunate ground into double play. If he hadn't got that, he probably would have left the game. But he left the game anyway. That was it. Three innings, eight hits. Five run runs, a walk, one strikeout on 54 pitches, only two swings and misses, and seven of the 15 balls in play were hit harder than 95 miles an hour. He wasn't fooling anybody. And we've now seen two good starts from Zimmerman and two bad starts from Zimmerman. And given his track record, you have to assume the bad starts are the real ones. So in the fourth, Norris comes in from hanging out with the high sparrow or wherever he's been for the last eight days, and he really just is out there looking like a left-handed Jordan Zimmerman. It's kind of sad. His fastball's sitting 89, touching 91. His curve and slider are kind of loopy and lazy. Jack Morris was continually talking about Norris's mechanics and how he saps his own velocity by landing on a stiff front leg and cutting himself off. Of course, Morris also mentions for like the 20th time that he doesn't believe in pitch framing, so whatever. Uh, anyway, Norris doesn't make things much worse, though he's fortunate to do so. Three innings, six hits, one earned run, two strikeouts on 58 pitches, five swings and misses, and seven of the 11 balls in play were hit 95 miles an hour or harder. He's just given up a ton of heart contact, and that's long and short of it. The, the twins win 6-4 and then kind of turn target field into a garden of bones. So speaking of long and short, let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in the bedroom. Listen up. BlueChew.com that's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach and since they're chewable they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now this isn't just for guys who can't perform it's for any guy who wants extra performance in the bedroom. You'll be going from Reek to Theon in no time. Blue Chew was prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package so no in-person doctor's visit, no talking to a pharmacist, and best of all no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew was the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And over the weekend, I was sent another endorsement from listener Jack, who again makes a point to say he's not a user, but he has a buddy who swears by it. And so this is what Jack says about his friend's results. He's going four, five, six extra inches there before he hits it. Okay, I know that Blue Chew's a sponsor, but I'm finding that a little bit hard to believe. And so let's finish with a little game that I'll call Bad or Unlucky. And to understand how this works, we're just going to have to talk about a couple stats real quick. The first one is BABIP, batting average on balls in play, which is really basically just removes strikeouts and home runs from the equation. So your batting average on any balls that you put in play. And in general, that's around 300 for every hitter at the major league level it changes depending on your batted ball profile. You know, if you're really fast and you hit the ball on the ground, it might be a bit higher. If you hit a lot of line drives, it might be a bit higher. If you hit a lot of fly balls, it might be lower. But again, remember that it should be around 300, no matter what. And then I'm going to talk about expected batting average, which is a stat cast estimator of batting average based on exit velocity and launch angle. Basically kind of taking the what the hitter actually did when they put the ball in play and determining whether it should have been a hit or not. So, yeah, there we go. And basically, the Tigers have eight hitters right now hitting under 250. So, let's see which of them are bad and which are unlucky. And uh, obviously, don't take any of this go- his gospel. It's 15 games in. We're just checking to see how much better it might get. So, we'll start with Jordy Mercer. Before he was injured, he was batting two thirty three with a BABIP of three thirteen and an expected batting average of three thirteen. So, the verdict here is just kind of undecided. He's been unlucky to one measure and kind of average luck to the other one so we'll move on John Hicks batting 188 with a BABIP of 238 that's low and an expected batting average of 268 so the verdict uh, despite his five strikeout game John Hicks has been a little bit unlucky so far Jamer Candelario he's batting 208 his BABIP is 297 and his expected batting average is 209 so uh uh-oh this is bad he is not making the right kind of contact so far this year and he's been bad Uh, Kristen Stewart batting 191 Babip of 188, very low, and his expected batting average is 234. So definitely he's unlucky so far, but also not necessarily good. Although I, I think 230, 240 is about what I would expect Stewart to hit. We know he's not going to be an average hitter, uh, but he'll walk a lot and hit for power. Uh, then we go to Dustin Peterson, who's hitting 148 with a Babip of 267 and an expected batting average of 120. He's bad, 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 bad. That is bad. And then we come to Grayson Griner who's hitting 163, a BABIP of 200, so a little bit unlucky there, but an expected batting average of 191. So he's both unlucky and bad, a winning combination. Gordon Beckham hit the big homer yesterday, but he's still hitting just 176 on the year with a BABIP of 143 and an expected batting average of 240. So I'm going to go, I'd call him unlucky for sure, but he's also got a 40% strikeout rate, which swings me to both unlucky and bad. And we finish with Josh Harrison, who is batting 135 so far with a 171 BABIP, and a 224 expected batting average. So again, unlucky on balls in play, but also he wouldn't be a good hitter on the balls in play anyway, so I'm going to go with unlucky and bad. And if you're counting, that's six partially bad or bad hitters, one unlucky, one undecided, and four partially unlucky. I'm not sure this thing's going to get any better, folks. And that's our show. Sorry to end on a down note, but them's the breaks sometimes. So I uh, want to thank everyone for downloading and listening to Locked on Tigers podcast here. And I remind you to please head online to your podcast service and rate and review the show. Give me some feedback so I can provide better content for you. And check out all the other fine podcasts on the Lockdown Podcast Network. And you know what? Go ahead and check me out, some of my writing on Tigestown. You can find a minor league recap every Monday, and hopefully a draft recap every Thursday or Friday. Sometimes I'm a little bit slow on those, but thanks for listening, and I will be back tomorrow to talk about an off day for the Tigers, and get you ready for the upcoming two-game series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. Interleague play, everybody loves that, right? Have a good day, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.